Good morning, Lakeside. How you guys doing this morning? Good, good. You guys are you guys are looking good, and we got the kiddos in with us this morning. Any kiddos out there? I see some around. This is really really cool. I, I've been thinking about you kiddos because last week I was wearing this shirt, and somebody said, "Hey, it's Super Sean," and that was my alter ego last summer. Every June we get together as a church, about 2,200 people get together and put on this camp called Blitz. And Blitz is amazing. There's actually several camps that happen within Blitz and there's middle school leaders in training and there's high school leaders, there's adult leaders, and we get together and it's just an amazing time to communicate God's love and the story that God is writing in this world. And it's, and it's fun because when you're the person on the stage, you get to do this thing called a shout-out. And so every year, there's a different shout-out. Now, our theme last summer was rescued. You may see people once in a while with a t-shirt that says rescued. And our theme was rescued, and it was great. And our shout-out was, um, it, it went, uh, God rescued us. By sending Jesus. And the way that this worked is the room will be packed. I mean, from from end to end and over in the block, there's a room that's packed from end to end. And the person will get on stage and they do the first half of that shout out. And they'll say, God rescued us. And then like an earthquake, it comes back. and, and, And the whole crowd says, by sending Jesus. And so for the kiddos this morning, I thought, and, and here's the way that this works sometimes, is, you know, you, you, you do a little shout-out from the stage, and you're the speaker on the stage, and then the crowd kind of gives like a little wimpy shout-out back, and then you're obligated to say, okay, that's not good enough, let's do it again, you know, and so we do it again, we go back and forth. So I thought, for the kiddos this morning, what if we just got it right the first time, and we did a little shout-out, okay, a little blitz rewind, and so I'm going to do the first part of it, and then you shout back, and so I'm going to say, God rest rescued us, and then you're going to shout out, by sending Jesus. You ready to go? Okay, here we go. God rescued us. By Jesus. Ooh, all right, all right. I like it. Yesterday, there was, there was like a four-year-old in the back that shouted louder than everybody else. It was, it was amazing. God rescued us by sending Jesus. Have you ever wondered why? Why would God rescue us? Why would God want to rescue me? I don't know, you know, you, 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 sort, of th- you sort of think about it, and maybe, maybe a good answer to start with is, well, well God loves us. You ever hear that before, God, God loves you? I mean, you've probably heard it at some point, and maybe you buy it, maybe you don't buy it, and, and maybe if you've been in church for a while, you've heard it again and again and again, and, and it can actually at times sort of become like white noise. God loves us, God loves us, God loves us, God loves us. And I, and I think about it sort of on a theological level. Well, of course God loves me. He's God. He, he has to love me. God is love. And so this is the God that I believe in. And if you, if you buy that, that God is God like that, then you say, well, yeah, you have to love me, God. And there are times in life, I, I have to be honest, where I need to hold on to that theological truth that no matter what, because God cannot deny his own character, he's got to love me. No matter how much I make a mess of my life, God, because he is love, simply keeps loving. But if you're like me, 
Maybe you want more than that. Quite frankly, I want a little more from that from God. Okay, I get it. Okay, God, you have to love me because you're God. But really, God, I, I want you to want to love me. Have you ever wondered why God would want to love you? I mean, you think about it, like, why would you want to love me, God? I know that you have to, but can I have a little more than that? I would really like a little more than that from you, God. Why would God want to love you? I have an older brother. He's a couple years older than me, and when we were almost middle school students, we found this rock. And uh, this rock was found at a state beach called, um, called Natural Bridges, just north of Santa Cruz. It actually used to, there used to be a natural bridge there, and a storm busted it down. But we were there, and I think it was sometime in, in the late 70s, and we were both almost middle school students, and so we were doing what almost middle schoolers would do, boys at least, and chucking rocks out into the ocean, although my daughter was the best chucker of rocks out of all three of my kids. And so we just thought it was fun. And they have all these tide pools there, and you can kind of see all the living creatures down there. And my dad said, you're not allowed to grab those and chuck those out. You, the rock's okay, but, but not the living things down there. And so um, we were throwing rocks, and my brother picked this rock up, and he, he takes his hand back, and he's ready to throw it. And then he hears something. And he goes, wait a minute, what's that? And he goes, Sean, dude, come over here. Look at this. Look inside this little hole. It's got holes all over it. Look inside this little hole. It's a baby clamshell. That's amazing. And I come over and I go, whoa, that's amazing. Too bad for that clam. He crawled in there. He grew and he couldn't get out and he died. But we still think it's cool because we're almost middle schoolers and this is awesome. And so we, we kept this rock, and, and when we were growing up, it was like the prize possession. We used to have competitions to see who would win the rock and put it in their room. In fact, if he watches this, he's probably saying, you have my rock. You better send that to me. But this, this was unique. I mean, it was different. It was, it was special to us for two almost middle school boys. It was awesome. And when God sees you, he sees someone who is not like all the others. He sees someone who is unique and special, different. And to the God of the universe, he says, you are awesome. Why would God want to love you? For me, the answer is easy. It's because you're irresistible. And I think I can actually prove it theologically. I can actually open the scriptures and tell you why I think that from God. If you have your Bible, open to Psalm 139. It's a book in the Bible. It's the largest book. It's really, really long. And I'm actually going to have the scriptures up on the screen as well. I just want to share a couple verses from Psalm 139. It's an ancient Hebrew poem, and they used to set it to music. And King David is writing this, and and he was the ancient king uh, of Israel. And David emotionally was like a roller coaster at times. Sometimes he was on top of the world, and sometimes he wondered, like, man, why am I even alive? And he had major victories, and he had major failures in his life. And I think he reached 
a time in his life where he just wondered, like, why in the world would God want to love me? And so he wrote down a, a, a poem about it. And this was one of the songs that the ancient Hebrews used to sing. And it, and it begins off talking about how God knows us. I mean, God knows everything about us, and he loves us anyway, which is a whole nother talk for a whole nother day, because that is a profound thought. God knows every single thing about you, and he says, hey, I love you. You are irresistible to me. That's an amazing thing to think. And then he gets down to verses 13 and 14. And we'll put it up on the screen here and I'll read it for you. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And then, uh, almost as if to create more confidence in himself, to encourage himself, he says, I know that full well. I mean, I am 100% convinced of that. Why? Why was David so convinced of that? A couple, a couple thoughts for you from this short passage this morning. The first one is there was incredible intentionality. I mean, you ever think about that? When God made you, there was incredible intentionality. He uses these very intimate terms of knitting together in the mother's womb. I mean, God meant you when he made you. And that's, a, that's an amazing thought. Now, sometimes we can take that thought for granted as well, kind of like the God loves you thought, because if you buy into God, then, well, yeah, he, he, he meant to do it. But when that was written, and even earlier on, when the book of Genesis was written, Genesis is at the very beginning of the Bible, and in the first couple chapters, there's this creation story Well, when that was written, there were other creation stories in the ancient Near East at the time. There were all sorts of guiding narratives. There were creation epics that formed the worldview of those that lived in the ancient Near East. There were some interesting thoughts, like God was a territorial God, and the gods would war against each other. He wasn't the God of the universe. There were kind of these territories. And so if one army conquered another army, it was because their God was greater, and he, he would take over that territory and expand his area. And when it came to how God created everything, there was some interesting thinking There was one epic, a Babylonian epic, that talked about the gods warring against each other. And one of the gods struck this other god, and her guts spilled all over the place. And and, and, and that sort of haphazardly is how uh, everything was created, including you. And the writer of Genesis in the ancient Near East comes right alongside that creation epic and says, Oh, no, 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 no. There's a different worldview that you can have. And that is, is that God was intentional. He meant to make you. I think David was encouraging himself with that. And then he takes it a little bit further. And he goes into this next verse, verse 14. And he talks about surprise. Intentionality and surprise. Actually, God experienced, here's another thought for you, God experienced all 
the best things about what it means to be surprised. God experienced the full range of the emotion of what it means to be surprised. Now, God, we believe, is sovereign. He knows everything. He knows your past. He knows your present. And he knows your future. How in the world could God be surprised? I mean, how does that work? I think he experienced this full range of emotion when he formed you. And I think there's a couple interesting words in this verse that help us unpack that. Fearfully and wonderfully made. And they come from two Hebrew words. The first one is the Hebrew word yare. And yare was an intense word. And it was a word that, would, that you would use when you were overwhelmingly shocked. You know, you saw something and you had to do a double take. It, it's the word that you would say when you just saw something amazing and you said, Wow! It, it, it sort of reminds me of when my dad came home from work in 1977. And he pulled into the driveway in his VW square back. And he got out. And all the other kids that year had already seen the movie. And I hadn't seen the movie. And I felt sorry for myself. And I was waiting. And I was playing in the front yard. And my dad gets out of the car and he says, Sean, we're going to go see Star Wars. And I went, yare! I mean, that is yare. It's like when I went to see Michael Jordan play in the Oakland Coliseum in his prime, and he scored 40 points, and he had this one move where he took off some, from somewhere around the free throw line, and he's moving through the air in the little dipsy do, and he puts it off the board so gently, and everybody stands up and says, yare! Even though we were fans of the Golden State Warriors, it was still, yare! It's an amazing thing. When my wife was pregnant, with our first child, our now 18-year-old, and she's growing, and I'd never seen my wife pregnant before. I'm like, how do you do that? This is amazing, and she's growing. And then that little guy starts elbowing, and he starts kicking, and he starts doing all this stuff, and it's like, it's yare! That is amazingly shocking to me. Wow, are you kidding me? When God made you, he experienced the full range of yare. You are fearfully made. There's there's another Hebrew word. It's the word that we translate into wonderfully. It's pela. You have yare, really intense. And then you have pala. Sort of this beautiful Hebrew word that kind of rolls off your tongue. And Pela has this idea of something that's amazing in its uniqueness, one of a kind, like you've never seen it before. When I was in Africa one time, we were um, coming to the end of our trip, and we went on this safari out at Wangi National Forest in Zimbabwe. And um, we were driving at the, at, at the very end of the day, and the sun was setting. And, and we were, we were kind of sad because we hadn't seen a lion yet. And when you go on safari in Africa, you want to see a lion, you know, come on. And, and it's not guaranteed. And, and right at dusk, this huge male lion crosses our path. I mean, this thing was giant. There is a reason why they call lions the king of the jungle. And it looked at us, and the reflection of our headlights off of, off of its eyes just looked amazing. And then it growled. It didn't, it didn't roar. It just looked at us and just growled. And with all of our windows up, we all felt the base of that growl in our chest. It was, oh, that is is wonderful. When God made you, 
he looked at you and said, Pela, my child. Yare, Pela. When God sees you, you are irresistible. He doesn't just have to love you. He simply wants to love you. He cannot stop himself from loving you. And I wonder, I wonder, what would it be like? I mean, what would it be like to be a part of a community where we started to really see each other in that light? We experienced the emotion of, Yera, pale, yera, pale. That would be amazing. What, what, if, what if this community, what if the community of faith that gathers every week at Lakeside was known in this region for being a people that loved like that? With Yare and Bela. That would be amazing. I mean, kiddos. I, I know there's, there's some kiddos in here. I can see you, kiddos. Yeah, 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 I can see you guys. I mean, what if, what if one day you, you were kind of um, hanging around, just doing what you do, you know, watching TV, playing video games, playing with your toys, whatever you're doing, and you looked over and you saw your mom and dad cleaning your room or making your food, you know, in the kitchen or, or making your lunch or driving you to school, and you just said, oh, vale. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. I think your parents would go, oh, all right, you noticed. This is amazing. I mean, parents, what, what if you just kind of one day, you don't tell your kids, just you sort of sneak up on them, and then you kind of come up behind, and you say, yare! And you just kind of freak them out a little bit, give them a little heart attack, because you just can't find them resistible. Oh, you just have to love on them. I mean, I, I just think it would be the kind of community that in the midst of the actual real pain that is in our lives and in the world would be able to bring incredible hope. And that being fearfully and wonderfully made has this idea of healing in the midst of the pain in the world. God rescued us. By sending Jesus, because he loves you. He has to love you, but he wants to love you. And I just think, I, I wonder if, if like King David, who struggled with this from time to time, because I can, I can relate to that, I wonder if we, if we thought about this like he did, if we journaled about it, if we talked to one another about it, if we sang songs about it, if we told stories about it, I wonder if we could be like David, who at the end of that stanza says, I know that full well. And we could live with that kind of confidence. That's my prayer for you this morning. That's my prayer for us as a church. Would you pray with me? God, your love is amazing. It's incredible. We're grateful for it. We want to feel it. We want to know it. We want to walk in it. We want our kids to feel it, to know it, to walk in it. God, we want our friends to feel it from us, to know it, to be able to experience what it means to walk in that love. And so, God, would you continue to show us that love? Would you continue to impact us? And God, along the way, may we be hope for this world.
May we be your hands and your feet that can come alongside and be healing in the midst of pain. And God, as we do, we'll continue to thank you. We'll continue to uh, write songs and write poems and tell stories of your incredible goodness to us. We love you and we praise you in your name. Amen.